Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations with some of her favorite people who are talking about the issues that matter most to you. Overcoming Monday is a podcast designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Now let's get started with an introduction to the episode. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. I'm sitting here with Josh and Shay, and we're kind of giggling before we talk about a really hard topic today. We're going to be talking about objectification, why we do it, and how to fight it. And I just want to give you a little bit of a warning that if you have small children in the car with you or wherever you are listening to this podcast, this is probably not one for the kids. So you should listen to it on your own with... um, Whoever you feel like needs to listen to it, but probably not small children. Um, In case you haven't met my friends Josh and Shay yet, I want to let you know that they're part of our Clayton King Ministries family. They both serve in ministry, and they are both gifted speakers, and they have a heart for sharing the gospel and making disciples. They have three kids, Clara, Gabe, and Cohen. And Shay also runs a cleaning business and is a realtor on the side. So let's just say she's a super busy lady. Um, This season that we're doing right now is full of a lot of relevant and touchy topics. So I'm so thankful that Josh and Shay are in here with me today to help talk about this topic with our listeners because I believe it's one that we need to talk about. In fact, Josh, you were the one that suggested that we do this topic. I did because I was hoping Shay would make me uh, an object of her affection <laughs> even more. <laughs> Stop. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all are funny. I love that we can laugh right now. Yep. Um, but my heart for broaching this subject is to recognize that we all have a sinful tem- tendency to dehumanize mm. each other. Mm-hmm. And I think specifically we do it maybe when we're hurting or maybe when we don't understand someone. Yes. I've noticed that I turn someone into an object when they cut me off in traffic and and all of a sudden they're hmm. that bad driver or that person in that car. They're not a person anymore. They're just hmm. the person in my way. Um, maybe the lady in front of you at the grocery store line who has too many coupons and you're in a hurry and you're like, oh, coupon lady, you that know, lady. <laughs> or, um, or a child that won't stop crying on the airplane they're no longer human. Everybody's just annoyed by that kid. That And probably he's having ear problems, but we're not trying to understand. We're just irritated. Mm. Um, and I think that we can take away people's humanity and label them so, so easily. Um, we talk about, you know, let's go help the homeless, or um, that guy's just a bigot, or he's just a rich guy, or that person's just clueless. And we just put these labels on people, and mm. I think we take away their humanity and, and we start to believe it. Yeah, we believe it and we start and we feel like we can just, when I think when we get in the habit of doing that, we um, are not really trying to understand one another in a, on a deep level. We're just trying to put everybody in categories so we can find the people who we're like, mm-hmm. you know, who we like mm-hmm. and who we're like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so and I think we're trying to protect ourselves and then sometimes it just ends up being a habit. So. Oh, yeah. My heart for this is so that we can just bring this up and recognize that as humans, as people, we can do this to other people who are made in God's image. 
Um, and I want to remember that people are made in God's image. And that we're made in God's image. Yeah. To remember yeah. ourselves is that way. Man, that's good. Exactly. So if we're made in God's image, we shouldn't make someone an object. We should see them as a person, mm-hmm. you know. Or portray ourselves as objects too. Right. Yeah, that's true because we can we can make ourselves objects to serve our own purposes and that's mm-hmm. going to be something we talk about in this um, podcast too. So Josh, to start out, I just want to ask you, um, I'm curious and I <laughs> would love for you to tell our yeah. listeners, why did you suggest this topic and why do you feel like this is one that needs to be addressed in our world? I think partly because I see this, this trend of especially the church mm. to um, sometimes we, we tend to drift in conversation towards uh, the surface of things or the symptom of things and not the core of why. Mm. And I think uh, at the core of, of the why of why objectification is happening um, from women to women, men to women, women to men is that we are looking at an unprecedented identity crisis, not only in the church, uh, but in the world and in culture today. And that that has leaked out, and I feel it screaming at me. You know, in 2017, this great thing happened for women, where you know there's there's freedom and there's you know no statute of limitations on getting justice, mm-hmm. and kind of women, you know, you know not just having a vote or a say, but getting equal pay, um, getting equal consideration, getting stage time, and you know an end to uh, feminist jokes and um there's just this new day dawning Mm -hmm. and um i just think it's but we still have this thing where we see a uh you know this business model applied everywhere that sells sex and uses women to sell things all day long Mm -hmm. i mean it's from everything from um sportswear to vitamins to burgers to you know i mean it's not a you know and it's kind of like this thing where if you say something like that looks wrong you could have any perspective you want about it. You could say, well, they're objectifying the woman. Or you could say, look at that. That's a strong woman. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do we decide? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think now that I have a little girl too, I just wonder, what's my message to her about men? Mm-hmm. Are men, you know, dirty scoundrels that you can't trust? Mm-hmm. And do they always objectify women? Or are there good men out there that are saying, you know, the right things and putting up guards in their life? And they're not all dogs. And I just know so many men that aren't like that that I feel like we can bounce this conversation some and say, man, this is a huge problem, but there's not just two sides to it, but there's um, this deeper thing going on about who are we? What responsibility do we have to who we really are? Mm -hmm. And are we, um, do we have the emotional and, you know, uh, coping tools to understand um, why we want to be treated this way and not that way and why we seek attention this way and maybe not that way and um man we could go so many places with this conversation but i I feel like it's just fascinating to me um just everything that's happening surrounding women today and the conversation is really changing in a really Mm -hmm. awesome way and talking about you know, where does the responsibility lie on a man's role with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I mean, we're at camp right now and it's like, here's these rules for women. If you go yeah. to the bathing, if you put a bathing suit on here, is there rules for men? <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just, it's one of those things where mm. like, how, where does, where do we decide where, hey, you know, whose, whose fault is it if you can't control your mind right now, mm-hmm. you know, and what it, 
And what about us as a temple? I mean, mm. I think it's almost a different conversation for mm -hmm. Christian men and women. Like, right. what responsibility do we have as an ambassador of Christ, as the new temple of God, about our body? You know, and right. and that could go so many places, and so many things factor into it. But I think part of it is just we live in the most sexualized um, culture. I don't know since Rome, or it's worse. Mm. I mean, it's it's the most intense thing probably in the history of the world. And it's um, Josh McDowell had a great quote that says, kids aren't looking for pornography today. It's looking for them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what did that do? You know, if, you know, we you can read stats that say 70% of women look at it now. And what is that doing? I think it's, it's feeding this thing now in society and in men and women to say, hey, do you like me? Am I lovely? Mm. And there's so much out there to just feel like everything's so competitive right. and to, to attract male attention, female attention, any attention, yeah. attention of your father, you know, and I just think it's so um, pervasive. And, you know, even for, with my own wife, you know, she's been um, sexually, uh, you know, approached by men and, you know, grabbed and suggested to and verbally abused and, you know, all the stuff that, you know, stuff that's never happened to me. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, wow, this is this huge problem. Mm -hmm. And it's, they say one in four women. Yeah. You know, have been abused mm -hmm. is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah abused and, and, and then they also say, there's also a stat that I've read. And so it's hard with stats because I feel like you can get them everywhere. Totally. So you have one in three women or one or four in women have been abused. But then I've also read one in four women who go to college have been raped. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a huge one That's that I've read too. When I was doing a lot of research wow. actually for my book, I thought about doing a whole entire chapter about this, but then I kind of rerouted hmm. it a little bit because I just didn't feel like the stats were. First of all, how do you know where all the stats come from and right. how accurate they are? But as I was reading, I saw it repeatedly. Wow. Um, I didn't but, know that. But one thing I also I heard you say, Josh, is that you have um, good men who are who don't and bad men who are not who are objectifying women you didn't you're you're not trying yeah, to label yeah. but i think that in our minds we do put people in a category but i th i think you have all men so all men at some point are trying to figure out what this looks like in their minds how they can view women and all the factors in their lives will determine that. So what oh, kind yeah. of family life did they have? Did they have an encounter with pornography early? What mm -hmm. did their, how did their dad treat them or their uncle or whoever their role model was? So good. How did the, he treat women? Um, what have they seen? What have they absorbed in movies and entertainment? And, and not only that, I think that there, if you want to say good and bad, I think that there are good men who struggle with objectifying women sure. and, and they Definitely. just don't even know it. That's the thing. I think that sometimes when you've grown up doing something or hmm. seeing something and all you do is repeat what you've seen. It's just a pattern. You don't even know. You don't know. know. Yeah. And so I think it's just an awareness. So as Clayton and I were talking, we were just going to the chiropractor and I was in the car on the way there. And I thought to myself, sometimes we do things out of habit and we don't realize hmm. what we are doing until our eyes are opened. Hmm. And, and that's a very simple concept but how do you have a conversation with someone who doesn't know that? Mm. And how do you bring that up? And, and so I don't necessarily know that it's good and bad men. It's just men and their right. experiences and how they're living out what they know and what they've absorbed. And this is kind of how I've had to come to terms. So 
for our listeners, I had to simplify this concept in my mind last night as I was reading over some of these questions, but objectification is simply putting a sexual connotation on someone and taking away their humanity. So it's swapping them for not who they are, but what they can be. Mm -hmm. And so it's a swap of identity in someone's mind towards someone else. And I think the hard part is for me to rectify almost with the Lord, this is definitely gonna be a question I have for him is that he wired the male brain to observe and love beauty. Mm -hmm. But in our sinfulness and in the brokenness of the world, all of a sudden that observation of beauty has turned into an observation of sexuality. Or lust. And lust. Mm-hmm. And it's a fine line because mm-hmm. I feel like even, and Josh will talk about this in a little bit, but for a man to see someone that he thinks is beautiful, but then what to do with that thought and where does it go mm-hmm. is where the problem lies. And then as women, because I think culture tells us that men think this way, then we want to be someone that is seen as beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then we can take that too far Mm -hmm. and put ourselves out there in ways that aren't healthy for us or for the men in our lives. But it's almost this way that God created us, but then mixed with the brokenness in the world and so we have this battle that men are are not going to change the way that they see life Mm -hmm. god made them that way so how do we rectify this idea and you guys have actually had discussions about this so how how do you guys have this discussion at home it's hard i i don't know if i can (laughs) say this but i know that josh you said last night shay said your eyes are wandering (laughs) I'm oh, noticing yeah. your eyes I, are wondering. Well, and, I just think it's, yeah, yes. I, everything's on the table for us. I feel like one of the things we're trying to be a lot better at is our open dialogue about mm-hmm. it. And there's a new show that's like a proposal show. And, you know, at first they come out and the guy just picks, you know, seven of ten. You know, we're always looking to like just zone out on seven pointless of ten TV. Women. Women. Yeah, pick yeah. seven of the ten women that he would like to get to know a little more. And then they're like, okay, second round is the bikini uh, <laughs> thing. And, and you're kind of like, this is so ridiculous. I'm sitting there thinking this is so ridiculous. I can't believe they're going to do this. And Shay, I would venture to say her immediate thought was he really wants to watch this so he can watch other women in bikinis. And I'm sitting there, I'm not even really thinking anything about that yet, but she had already kind of gone there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, so, and I would say, I'm, a, I'm we're done with sh- this show. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, we're done with the show. And I was like, I was like, man, I'm kind of curious to know how it ends. You know, just like, I wonder who he picked. I'm, I'm thinking, and what she heard was, you just want to see this. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's, I'm, I'm not trying to communicate that, but I mean, it comes down to everything. I mean, literally, I mean, you can't watch a TV show without having a Victoria's Secrets commercial come on. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I don't look away in the first half second, you know, Shay's going to look at me like, right, why don't you look away? I know a lot of men that would look away real faster than you, you know, or I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm doing my best here. It's true. It's true. And uh, yeah, but I mean, it's so funny because it starts so early. If you ever meet a young little boy, you know, first grade, second grade. You say, do you have a girlfriend? You know, yeah. a lot of time that's the thing. They'll tell you that she's so pretty. Mm. You know, mm. they'll never say that she's so smart. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so like really early they'll say something like that. And you're like, wow, does it start that young? You know, that, that, that they like just want a pretty girlfriend, you know, like, and that there's all this emphasis on that. Like, um, and well, I just and think there's that. Well, and that's part of biology. Yeah. You can and, look at animals and God has made, you know, he'll make some with these pretty feathers and <laughs> so that it attracts the other thing. And then they do this whole parade with their feathers out yes, and making all these yes. noises. And so it's not 
so much that the um, biology or the natural desire to attract someone or yes. to look is, quote, bad, if that's what the word we're going to use, it's natural. Right. But since we are different than animals and we were made in God's image yeah. and we are made to be a temple, how do we handle those desires and those that natural biology in a holy way? I think that's the question. Because the natural biology doesn't change. It's not like once Josh and I got married that his eyes all of a sudden now only see me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that it's a constant conversation between us. One thing we talked about last night was and it's probably more for myself. Well, it is because we talked about it. It's more for myself than it is for Josh. But if we're in a room and I know that there's a pretty woman there and I know that he's noticed her, I will also notice her out loud mm. and say, isn't she pretty? Just to almost remove to get the awkward, the awkward out. out. Mm-hmm. Like I've already known that he sees her and I see her. I'm not blind. He's not blind. So for me, it's just to say she is pretty. And I know that, you know, she's pretty let's move on yeah kind of thing and what's so funny is oppositely i'll be like i don't even know what shay finds attractive <laughs> i'll be like who's your celebrity crush you know and she says adam levine i'm like oh god she so i was like you like a guy that doesn't even look like me and she's like um no i don't really even like how he looks i just like his personality and i'm like that's so funny to me like most people pick someone based on how they look but my wife doesn't so like our brains are so different yeah. And well, everybody is different. Oh, yeah. Yes. Our brains are so different. That's and not to say that there aren't women who who do. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. or that women don't yeah. pick someone that they're highly attracted to. Um, I remember when I was a little girl, <laughs> Clayton makes fun of me to this day. When I was a little girl, my mom liked to show us um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or um, gosh, what was that other show? Something with Robert Redford in it. I can't remember. It was some old classic. And for whatever reason, we watched him a lot. So I just thought Robert Redford was cute, so you know, cute. when I was That's little. So this is like little, right? So now Robert Redford will be in a movie. I don't necessarily find him attractive, but he's, he's like, there's your boyfriend. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Okay, okay. There he is. I was a Robert. little girl. It's like if Daisy Duke came on so now funny. and I'd be like, there's your girlfriend. <laughs> But, you know, you can really take that far. Like in college, I had a a roommate um, whose girlfriend was like, I don't want you wearing gel in your hair anymore. It attracts other females, you know, like would tell him to purposefully like not look nice anymore. Because of And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, because of the uh, attracting factor. And I think I think all of that kind of goes back to something I even hear you and Clayton say a lot, which is that marriage, you know, is for your holiness, not necessarily your happiness. Mm -hmm. So part of why. Why does God allow us to still be uh, find people attractive and all this is part of it is so that you're my helper and I'm your helper in learning to set our affections on God and each other, mm. you know, and that that's not like you don't just exchange a vow and it, it all disappears, all your struggle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not gone. You are now, you know, in a fight together mm-hmm. and, and to fighting stay pure still. Yeah, and fighting right. for purity above all. Mm-hmm. And I think and that's. I would say that's kind of how we even help each other where it's like, man, there's areas of my purity. I didn't know that my reaction time to commercials was so terrible. <laughs> I know I needed my wife to show me, <laughs> you know, to be like, man, and I want, I want to be that man. Yeah. And not just doesn't for even purity, need to see it for a second. Not just for purity for a husband or wife, but also for wholeness. Mm-hmm. So I came into this relationship with brokenness from abuse. So it's now Josh's responsibility along with Christ, obviously, but to help me figure out what that looks like for me. Mm-hmm. And so 
it's this challenge of us walking in with his past of having objectified women with my past of being objectified and then us learning what that looks like to come out of our past and to help each other in the present and the future. Right. So so, speaking of that, what would you say are some practical ways that you guys have done that? And y'all can both speak on this, of course, but I would love to hear that because I think that understanding why men struggle with it. Yeah. I think women do too. Yeah. Just maybe not quite as much to as much of a degree with a guy, you know? Right. Um, I think we struggle more with objectifying ourselves. And we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) But I would love for you guys to talk about how you've walked through this process. How have you chosen to believe him, Shay, and learn to start trusting him? And how how have you tried to show Shay, I'm not trying to objectify you. That's not how I see you. Yeah. We'll be back in just a moment, but first, let's check in with Elizabeth Harper, our in-house beauty expert, for some top trends and your weekly dose of practical advice. Hey everybody, this is Elizabeth with Tips and Tricks for Season 4, and today I wanted to do something a little different, and instead of giving you my usual tips and tricks, I wanted to tell y'all a story about um, my 8-year-old daughter Ruby and a conversation that we had last week. Um, Ruby loves the Tinkerbell movies as a lot of eight-year-olds do. And after watching one of the Tinkerbell movies, she came down as I was cleaning the bathroom and she said, mom, what fairy do you think I'm most like? And because I wasn't really into talking about Tinkerbell fairies at the moment, I said, Ruby, I'm going to need to talk to you about this later. Well, fortunately, Ruby is a very persistent eight-year-old and she came back about four more times Um, And I say fortunately because I was missing the real question that she was asking me. You know, at this age, they're trying to identify with, you know, what am I like? Who am I? And those were the exact questions that Ruby was asking. She said, Mom, I want to know what fairy I'm like because I want to know whose personality I have. I want to know which fairy I look most like, whose talent I have. And, um, it was in that moment that I really decided to take the opportunity to, to speak to something a little deeper, um, to Ruby and not just the question that she was asking on the surface. And so our conversation or what I said to Ruby went something like this. And I want to share it with you because I feel like this is something as women that we need to hear, especially in today's society. And so I said, Ruby, You are so much more than a fairy, so much more than a one-dimensional character that was created for someone's entertainment. My dear, you were created in the image of a multifaceted and multidimensional God. And yes, I did have to explain to her what that meant. You will never fit into one box because you were created to live outside of the box. Don't let people tell you that there's only one way to be beautiful or accepted Whether it's movies or your friends or teachers, you were not created to live their way. You were created to be Ruby Claire Harper, perfectly imperfect, not some cartoon character that was put on a movie to entertain you. That's not realistic. You are more than a fairy, Ruby. You are a daughter of the king, and a cartoon could never fit all that you are in this world. So after that, she, I saw her shoulders kind of relax and she smiled at me and said, thank you. And so I don't think 
that any of y'all are wondering what Tinkerbell fairy that uh, you look like or most like. But I will say this, that you are more than your profile picture. You are more than a like. There is no picture, post, or video that could ever express the fullness of who God has created you to be or what, his, what He has created you for. And guys, I want to encourage you, do not let the world full of its unnatural poses and filters tell you anything differently. Don't let this world put you in a box when you were designed to live outside of it. And I'll add, live outside of the box and live in the fullness and in the glory of who Jesus has created you to be. Not just be one thing to one person, like I said, in some picture or video or post. Guys, I hope um, you heard my heart through this today, and I hope it's touched yours. Be blessed and have a great day. Be first. first Um, So I think as far as we have guidelines, like I'm very much a black and white person. And so, but I also, in this fight for purity on Josh's behalf, is also hard because I don't want to be his mom. Mm. So it's like setting boundaries that need to be followed, but not wanting to be the enforcer of them. But so at some points in this time, so like, for example, when I go to bed, all TV is off, phones not used for the most part. Every once in a while, he'll finish watching something. But for the most part, he doesn't stay up late on media without me being present mm-hmm. just for his own safety. So, <laughs> yeah. but I don't always want to enforce that because I'm not his mom. Yeah. And I want him to also fight for his own purity. Right. But he has looked at me and said, you need to treat me like a former addict. <laughs> you need yeah. to treat me and say, it's time to go to bed. It's time to turn this off because that is you fighting for me. That's not you being my mom. Mm-hmm. So I think we also have to understand our roles and have that open dialogue because yeah. I don't want to be a nagging wife, but he's asking me to help him. And so, so sometimes that you have yeah. to say no. It's yes. kind of like sometimes when uh, Clayton used to say no, I mean, yes, to every event that he got and our life would get so full and I would get so frustrated. He would get frustrated. We'd be burned out and frustrated with each other. So he started presenting his schedule to me. Well, I don't like being the no person. Hmm. I don't like it. But I was the no person for a long time. Here's what's funny now. We've kind of reverted to where he's the no person now. Um, And I don't know why, but I didn't like it. Like I told him, I don't like it. But he said, you're protecting me and you're protecting our family and I want you to do this. And so I didn't like it because I didn't want to be his no. Hmm. but I needed to be, and he was asking me to be. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's just one yeah. thing like guys can ask their spouse or that not if they don't have a spouse, an accountability partner or a parent yes, to be their person to help enforce those rules. But you have to be like you, Josh, saying, treat me as a former addict. Yeah, I, I think you just have to fall on your sword. These are and hard you're, conversations. You're, I think especially in a, in a spousal relationship, and maybe even if you're single, you need to have someone in your life that has complete access to your life you know, that you are opening up to that you're saying, ask me anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you anything, you know, and have someone that you can confess to everything. You know, hopefully that person is your spouse. You're having that kind of honest dialogue with your spouse. And, um, and I feel like the Lord, at least in our, in our relationship, it's, he reveals things and it's like, I feel like it's, it goes back all the way to this and to have 
my wife, you know, for me to be in tears on the couch and confessing past memories, things even before we met, and to have her lay her hands on me and pray for my mind and ask God to remove it or move it so far back that I can't remember it. And that's <laughs> no. how I believe that the verse about confession brings healing. Yeah. Um, we confess our sins to one another. Yes. But I think what's hard about that is that there was a season in our marriage when I wasn't ready to receive right. that confession. Yeah. Where my judgment was way stronger than my grace. And mm-hmm. still sometimes today that's true. Mm-hmm. And so I also don't know where all the listeners are in their walk or even in their marriages, but there's also wisdom in knowing how much that person how, can take. Yes. How much yes, your capacity for hearing something like that and being Mm -hmm. able to respond in love. So I think that that's something we've had to grow in. We've been Mm -hmm. married six years. I would say the last couple years I've been able to handle it better. But I think that um, that's a hard place, especially when you come, like I've come out of a hurt place for men and a mistrust anyway. Before we got married, I went to counseling for that. And so I think objectification leads women to have mistrust. Yes, it does. And yes. I was going to say, um, I agree with you. That's why I think it's because we can hold resentment and unforgiveness in our hearts and mm. we don't heal. And I think that um, with everything that's happening in our world today and women speaking up, I'm I'm very excited about all of that. I think that we need to be. But I think that anytime we rush a cause or we rush a healing or we rush... Mm. I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like pa- healing takes time and patience. So mm. as we're speaking out, we have to be careful how we're speaking out mm. because it can also turn into anger and um, vindictiveness mm. without the healing there. So when mm. our voice does speak out, we have to speak from a place of healing, not hurt. Mm. And that's really hard to do when you feel like you've been oppressed for so long. Yes. So I think that... Um, Maybe some of the things that are being said right now are not wise. There's such a toxic environment between men and women right now. And I think it's just because women have been waiting to say something for so long. Mm-hmm. Then maybe some of the things that we're saying aren't coming out well. And the way that men are responding isn't coming out well. Because sometimes a true um, biblical, I think, way of speaking a message takes a little bit more time mm-hmm. than what we want it to take. And that's what mm-hmm. you're saying. So... As you've Mm. been receiving stuff from Josh, Mm. you could only take a certain amount. And as you've grown in it, as you've learned to forgive him, as you've learned to receive what he's saying, you've learned how to forgive him. Right. But all of it dumped on you in the beginning probably would have made you trust him less. And I feel like it also, the journey coincided with my own personal healing and relationship Mm. with Jesus. So as I've found healing in our relationship, I can also carry some of the burden of our relationship. It kind of goes hand in hand. So as Josh has been a part of my healing, I feel like I can reciprocate that healing to him. Right. But like hurt people hurt people. I feel like people right. who are finding healing can also offer healing. So so the tip is to ask for help like yes. as a guy, but find a wise person who you can. And accountability is as good as the openness at which you're willing to be. And true. so oh, sometimes yeah. accountability is a complete joke because people are just lying to each other. But real, true accountability is finding someone who you can trust with those things, yes. who can show you, speak forgiveness to you, but also hold you to a standard by which you continue to get better rather than giving you an excuse to continue to sin. Mm. Um, And so I would say that you're saying, first of all, find someone. Second of all, 
kind of have a radar on how much they can handle. Tell them a, as much as you think at, at a certain period of time and let that progress over time. I did that too with my abuse with Clayton. I could only not, Clayton didn't abuse me. With my abuse, my stepdad, with how much I revealed to Clayton, mm. it progressed over time. Mm. Mm. It wasn't all of it on the table in the beginning. It was enough to where he knew what happened, but mm. not the details of it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, just in my mind just popped this thought too, is that to be on the receiving end of someone's overcoming their objectification, to be on the receiving end of helping healing, you also have to have a firm identity, which I think was the crisis that Josh mentioned to begin with. And so I can look at Josh and when he's hurting or has an issue, I mean, the main issue probably with objectification and a lot of relationships stems to pornography, mm -hmm. just does. That's a main way that our culture objectifies. Mm -hmm. And so that has been a part of Josh's history. And so for me, I had to understand my identity and that his issue was not a reflection on me. Mm. He wasn't wronging me in that sense, that this was something that he was struggling with apart from me and that I'm able to be an instrument of healing in that. But at the beginning of our marriage, when I wasn't certain in my identity, I was taking it very personal. Like a threat. This like is against his objectification of women is an objectification on me. Mm. When there is a level of that, I think subconsciously, but I feel like overall my identity is in Christ. And so who I am does not determine what Josh looks at, who Josh looks at, how Josh looks at them. Mm. That's not on me. Yeah. And so as a spouse, I was able to over time find that boundary and was able to know who I am in Jesus and then lend my hand to him to help him find who he is in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Likewise. So Josh, you want to say anything on that? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it, I think that it's hard to say there's so much you could say, Yeah, <laughs> but I think that part where, um, that core identity and realizing, I think for many men, you know, I think, you know, the most common thing that men will say, you know, even married men will say, if you try to explain pornography to your wife, they won't necessarily understand it. <laughs> no, like where it's like, where it's just a hard thing to imagine. Like, why would you do this? Because you love me and you love our family or our children or the, the, this, that, and the other thing. And um, it's so hard to explain that impulse that men have. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the why, I think a lot of times men don't even have the emotional capacity to understand why they're getting into it mm -hmm. I think um and it's hard because everything's personal we everyone takes everything personal I think and uh at least for me I realized as I had to like seek healing and seek counseling and um we had a missions mentor that was like listen you're hoping to be a missionary one day <laughs> it's strike one you go to counseling strike two you're off the field mm. and they're like you know we want how, so how do you think about this you know dive deep in this tell us what you're gonna do um link back to think about the history of this and to realize that so much of it had to do more with anxiety, mm. more with avoiding pain, more with feeling really stressed, more with, um, and I think so many men don't have um, the emotional tool belt. <laughs> and uh, I would say, I read this article, it was in the Good Men Project, and um, he said it really well. 
talking about the same thing. Like, why do I do this? I'm not sure how to feel my feelings. And I, we resorted, and I quote, he said, to a limited tool belt, stuffing, distracting, avoiding, masking, hiding, um, and projecting it outward through blame. Mm. And to say, you know, and blaming others. And, and I think it goes into that, um, you know, for so many people looking at pornography, they're stuck in emptiness and loneliness. Mm-hmm. Or just objectification in general. Yeah, yeah but, it, and it, but I guess what I'm saying is that they're not just stuck, stuck in objectification. What they're stuck in is loneliness and emptiness. And they do that. They project their feelings and make an object of desire or whatever it is and use that to cope with the real thing, which is identity crisis mm. and emptiness. And they're, filling the, they're filling their empty souls with things. And it's uh, and it's sometimes like eating, making people think. And you know what it is? Yeah, it's which, empty calories. It's it, it it can never quench. It's like Diet yeah. Coke. Which, you know, you need ten of them to feel like quenched. And it's just it just and it's the same thing. I notice it in everything now. Where we even had that conversation, like, you know, why you know people do these posts and get so many likes? Why do they keep posting them? Because it doesn't quite hit the spot. Mm-hmm. They don't really get to tell you. Mm-hmm. You just sort of feel loved, sort of feel approved, sort of feel. And it's it's limited. It's it's really lifeless. It doesn't give life. Yeah. And it's an it's an illusion. And so and just like pornography is the greatest illusion probably of our time. And it's it's an illusion. It's a lie. And you have to fight that lie with the truth and come out of it. Yep. And, yeah. And I know. Um. Uh, who was it? Dolly Parton looking for love in all the <laughs> yeah, wrong yeah, places. Like, <laughs> for love yes. in too many spaces or something like that. Yes. I don't remember. Yes. Um. But yeah, I think that's it. I mean, really, it's an idol. Yes. If we want to like mm. yes. get down to the mm-hmm. like source, it's an idol. Um. But women interpret it as a as um like the other woman. It's crazy. But guys mm. are just doing it as a coping mechanism a lot of times Mm -hmm. um so speaking of posting on the internet and stuff i actually have noticed that in an effort i think to fight objectification i've seen people on social media overall Mm. it seems like more people are posting pictures of themselves with less clothing totally and as a means to fight against objectification, which doesn't make sense to me. Here's my brain. I'm thinking if we don't like that society is using women's bodies to sell stuff, then why are we taking off more clothing than we would wear normally around town, taking pictures of ourselves, putting it on social media, either for a cause to say Mm. I'm good with my body or most of the time because we're posting something of ourselves and we want secretly I think we want people to say like 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 for that high of that identity I think you look pretty I think you look good I think you look beautiful I'm just wondering what that what the long-term effects of us objectifying ourselves by doing that is going to happen on our souls for sure Um, because I feel like we're almost playing into the thing we don't like as women I don't I don't really understand it. It, it I don't It's very complicated in my brain because I feel like the thing that we don't want other women to do on billboards or whatever, or we just feel like it, it feels wrong, it looks wrong. Why are we now doing, doing that? that. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I was just telling Josh last night, I was like, I've actually had to unfollow friends of mine 
moms, girls I've mentored, because I honestly don't want pictures of their behind popping up <laughs> on my feet all day long. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't understand it. And almost to the point I told Joshua, I almost messaged one of them and said, can you explain to me your new like mantra, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your new life goal? Because all of a sudden I'm seeing all of this and Mm -hmm. it really takes away. We're not talking about like a silly picture at the beach with friends. No, 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 We're not talking about that. We're talking about. This is dozens and dozens and dozens Mm -hmm. of pictures of her body. And she has four beautiful children and a wonderful family, and she's very accomplished. And to me, objectification is taking someone and making them something instead of who they are. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I'm like, why isn't she posting about how awesome of a mom she is? Because she's an awesome mom. Or how wonderful her business is, or all of these accomplishments that would actually speak to who she is and not what she looks like in a bathing suit. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm confused as to the message that's being portrayed because I don't Mm. understand how showing parts of us is giving everyone the full picture of who we are. Yep. And I think that's hard. So obviously we, I'm asking the question of why, because I don't understand it. It's kind of a rhetorical question. Right. I don't think that we're going to get to, there's too many people, there's too many whatever to get to the, to the why. I think for me, I just wanted to speak into the concern of being aware Yes. Of what's, what you're posting and what's going on in your soul. Right. Mm. Um, That's good. Because I think it can be dangerous. Yes. And I just wanted to speak to that. I don't want to necessarily pinpoint any one person or make a um, political or whatever this is, state moral statement to anybody in particular. I just, as I've been seeing this happen, I am concerned mm. because here's the reality you, I mean, you've suffered objectification. I've been abused, and I'm sitting here going, why are we offering more of that to ourselves? So as women overall, I'm just saying. Yes, yes. Um, and so I think that it, I think that it can become um, dangerous. It's a slippery slope. It's mm-hmm. a slippery slope. And it's hard, too, when you've been a part of someone's life that is overcoming objectification. And so one of the things... Josh doesn't have Instagram anymore Mm -hmm. because too many people in our life that we love were posting things that I knew didn't help him. He knew didn't help him. Right. Look at them as more of a person. It Mm -hmm. made him view them as less of a person. And Mm -hmm. so that's not, we don't want that. You know, I'm at the point in my life where I don't even want to glance at it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, man, glancing at this every day is kind of wearing me down. Yeah. It's a, and it's disheartening. And, and I think even like a lot of this, you know, it goes back to the core of, um, at least I would say for us, for people who are, are endeavor, our mission is to build the kingdom of God. Right. That, um, a lot of these platforms, they build your own kingdom. Mm-hmm. They make you powerful or famous or, you know, a lot of mm. these, a lot of these, you know, and a lot of that, you know, is. I like Donald Trump said this, uh, people ask him, how do you think of your Twitter account? He says, I think of it that it's better than unlimited money. Mm. So what is he saying? He's saying that this is the best, you know, being famous, getting, you know, having your message out there and, you know, being able to say I'm this or I'm that. And it's this immediate gratification obsession we have. And I think it's just a whole culture of people obsessed with themselves, right? you know, and it's just, 
and it has consequences. And I think, and I like what y'all are saying is that, you know, have this holistic view of yourself. You know, if you're not going to delete it, well, have a holistic view of yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, have, um, show the different aspects of you. Because, you know, if you just take a picture of just your face a hundred times, that's also disheartening. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, it's you know, like, true. Yeah, it's true. So I want to, uh, we need to end today, but Josh, I want. I wondered if you could do two things for me as we yeah. end. The first thing is, um, I know you were talking, you gave an example of um, Donald Trump's wife yesterday to me. And yeah. so I would love for you to talk about that. And then the other one, um, I would love for you to just kind of give us some ways that you fight objectifying women um in your own personal like for guys for guys out there Mm. yeah for guys out there you should read this book um it helps give you the tools uh every young men's battle it was just a brilliant book um two best tools it's talked about is that lust is like a sumo wrestler living inside of you (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you need to starve it so you starve it you find you know what do you do to feed that and starve it you whether it be you know places you look on the internet that are a struggle, you know, find out where you struggle and starve it. Um, and the second really good uh, advice that they talk about is bouncing your eyes. So you're not going to help it. You're going to notice beautiful women and you're going to be attracted, but you don't need to stare and gawk at them and make them an object. Um, if anything, you know, introduce yourself and say hi and, and ask their name and look them in the eyes when you talk. Make <laughs> think, them a somebody. Yeah. Make them a somebody and not a um, like a look at that kind of thing, but rather I want to meet her, you know, and introduce yourself, get to know them. Um, so I think those are really two good tools. And, um, I guess I was just thinking, you know, Shay has a business and, uh, she looks to hire people and we'll look them up on social media. Mm-hmm. I'll ask them what their handle is. And some girls will be like, you know, you can't have done drugs in the last 30 days if you want to work for us. And they'll have drug <laughs> t-shirt on, drug background. And it's like, man, this girl, are you hoping to get hired one day? <laughs> You'll never be hired. Um, and I think that same thing where it's like, man, it's, you need to be really careful on this thing, what you post. Mm-hmm. It goes back forever. So now yeah. you're president of the United States wife, you know, Melania. And if she ever tries to do anything good for the world, CNN, uh, and other newscasts will be like, hey, here's her with guns and a bikini on. Yeah. You know, like, can we take her serious? They're making and a joke just, out of her mm, good, good yeah, things like she's she, doing. And it's almost like, yeah, she's trying to rectify and mm-hmm. do good things in the world. But they're like, hey, look at her at 18. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at her at 19. So you think these things that we do now don't have consequences, mm-hmm. but they do. Yeah. Jokes you make online, comments you make right. online. So consider your ways. Now. Oh, mm. yes. It's all Proverbs. Consider what you're doing. Consider how that's reflecting. Consider what other people are going to think. Cause totally. It's the whole you. This is not, your life doesn't end at 18, 20. It keeps going. Um, so... <sighs> I know, I know, right? The, I mean, this could go on. The deep end. I know. <laughs> this was a hard topic to discuss. Um, I hope that we, I hope that you guys understand where we're coming from in this podcast. We did everything that we could do to try to um, talk about this in a biblical way, um, an unoffensive way, but also speaking truth with love. Mm. Um, so I believe this podcast was needed. I bet there are a ton of you who feel like you found some little secrets for your big breakthrough. Because I really want you to overcome where it matters most. And I want to ask a favor of you. If Overcoming Monday is making a difference in your life, would you stop and leave a review on your podcast platform? Or you can even email me at shari at shariking.com and tell me what you appreciate appreciate about this podcast. (laughs) 
Um, if you need a speaker for your event, you can learn more about me on my website, shariking.com. And I'd also love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at shariking99. 99 is because I got married in 99. That's what edit that is. Um, and we have to end this episode. But if you want to continue to listen to Overcoming Monday, there are many other episodes which Clayton King Ministries produces. And we've been working hard to produce these for you. So I have to say bye for now, but be sure to listen next week. Um, we're actually talking about pornography with Ashley and Zach Dixon. So it'll be, be a good follow-up to this episode for sure. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks, Thank Josh you. and Shay. Y'all are awesome.